you know, I had a conversation with Sai after we had that that discussion with Dr. Hardwick, and he he was saying, you know, pregnancy is actually considered legally, it's considered a disability. If I'm honest, prior to that podcast episode, Sai, if you had said that to me, some of my sort of feminist inclinations would have been like, no, it's mm-hmm. not. Because something in me had to change in the way that I viewed disability. That mm-hmm. you saying that is not telling me that I am less than. Right or, now I'm saying welcome to the club. You know, I'm like, well, if I'm in the club with Sai and, and Dr. Hardwick and, you know, I'm in good company. <laughs> I don't need to try to hide this and pretend that this isn't happening. I can embrace that and, yeah, be liberated in that. Welcome to Shake the Dust, Leaving Colonized Faith of the Kingdom of God, a podcast of KTF Press. My name is Cy Hoekstra, here with Jonathan Walton and Susie LaHood. And we today are going to do a little bit of processing. This is something we're going to do every now and then, periodically. We're not sure exactly how often. Um, Don't worry, we're not going to make you have listened to all of our podcasts in order to understand what we're talking about today, but we are going to uh, kind of be going through some of the things that we've been learning and stopping to think about how all of the uh, people that we've been interviewing, the things, the great things that they've been saying, kind of fit into our framework of leaving colonized faith for the kingdom of God. And this is something, you know, a lot of podcasts do this. They usually, they typically do it like a little bit further in, I think, than we are right now. But the reason we want to do this right now is because, you know, like we said in the intro episode, we don't want to be just kind of churning out content all the time for the sake of being churning out content every week. We want to be, uh, you know, taking time to sort of chew on what we're learning and really sit with it and and meditate with it and not just kind of move on to the next thing. So just remember, uh, if you like this show, the best way to support us is to go to ktfpress.com and subscribe uh, and to, to be like a monthly or an annual subscriber, we would really appreciate it. It helps support this show in a lot of ways. It helps support our future book projects that we have planned. Uh, and it gets you a weekly newsletter. It gets you bonus episodes of this show. And it gets you writing from the three of us. And uh, if, if, you hadn't, if you haven't checked out the blog yet, I, we would really, really appreciate it if you did. So just as a quick reminder, we're, you know, like the the kind of framework under which we're doing all of this stuff, like we always say, leaving colonized faith for the kingdom of God. And, you know, we talked in our intro episode about what we mean by that, like the the idea of faith, the idea of Christianity developed in, you know, colonial Europe and the United States over the past few hundred years that was, that is designed to sort of both like maintain and uphold, you know, these idolatries of, of power and prosperity and security that kind of developed within that context to both accommodate them and uphold them, I should say. So that's kind of our framework. And I want to open it up to both of you now and just ask, give me a thing or two, something that you have heard from one of our guests that you found uh, particularly important or that uh, impacted you in a particular way. And give me a sense of how you've been thinking about it, how it's been affecting um, your faith or your spirituality. So basically the two, the two biggest things I think that have stuck out to me without going on at length about every single guest, um, because we could, because we could, (laughs) two things that struck me. The first one, um, was the conversation with Reverend Dr. Lamar Hardwick, um, Mm -hmm. who talked about the propensity for me to, I'll I'll say me because I don't want to speak for everybody, um, to make heaven my type of heaven. So mm-hmm. heaven would be comfortable for me. 
And something that that I think he introduced in the podcast was this idea that Jesus was still wounded um, when he visited Thomas. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this was Jesus resurrected. This was Jesus after the Father had raised him from the dead. And I thought to myself, okay, well, what would that mean for me? And if I am accepted on that side of heaven, perhaps I need to work to accept the limitations that I have on this side of heaven. The human, My humanity is not an evil thing. So what stood out to me is that the way that my body works, the way that my body is, the limitations that I have, the stuff that makes me me could still be good on the other side of heaven. And so every limit I think is a limit, everything that I might judge or think that is needs to be fixed, um, that God accepts me and I am good enough. That's something that I've been wrestling with ever since that conversation. Can you give us like a little snapshot of how you've been wrestling with that personally? Yeah. So um, I think two things. One, just the idea of people not being healed is something that I think I've, having, you know, lost my mom and lost my father-in-law and lost my like aunts and other people who passed away. I think like my aunt has a, has a chronic illness because of a stroke and thinking about her being in this condition and <clears throat> and she is trying to bend herself to fit in a world that's not made for her when Jesus seems to bend the kingdom of God to work for people like her. Mm. And I... I just wish we could do that more. And to be honest, like I, you know, our church ever, ever since I read his book and, you know, he, he talked about when, when it, when the pandemic hit all of a sudden we had resources for everybody who's sick and shut in. Right. And, and like, I literally said to our church plant, like it's a new church. And I said, look, like, you know, there are people that this was better for, like, can we do that? And, in a, in a church plan, it's all play. Like if you bring up a problem, you need to bring up a solution. And I yeah. don't, I don't have the capacity to to like create a solution right now. I take care of two kids full time and work full time, and t- and and I'm like, and do this, and do this, <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm like, I advocated for something, and then like couldn't follow through because of my own just limitations. And and I I've cut out what I can cut out or what I think I should cut out at this point. And, and I'm like, okay, like I have to lament that our church doesn't have capacity to do that right now. And so, yeah, that's a big place for me. And then I think I have, I've had insecurities about my own body since I was, got made fun of as a teenager. And so trying to see my body is good when I look in the mirror that I, that God is satisfied with me. Yeah. Has been a, has been a struggle and I'm not you know, saying that anything is, you know, objectively wrong with Reverend Dr. Hardwick at all. It's just when he talked, it, it illuminated something different for yeah. me. You're not saying he's wrong, but you're you're working with the reality that a lot of society says he's wrong. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And his, exactly. his perspective from that. Yeah. I, I um, there's so much tied up in disability and um, body image. <laughs> That's, right. that's right. a, there, there's, there are a lot of, we didn't get into this in the episode, but there are a lot of stereotypes around like not I don't know stereotypes is the right word but a lot of people think about disabled people as kind of non-sexual beings and like mm-hmm. not attractive beings you mm-hmm. know just because you're you're in a lot of ways unable to fulfill the the ideals of what uh either men or women should be it's both frankly we, we talked mm-hmm. with Kirsten Dumay about remember I talked with her about how yes, like yes. it's impossible for me to be the kind of man that a lot of <laughs> that a lot of society a lot of the church um a lot of Christian leaders want 
me to be. And so that just leads to a lot of um, just complications when it comes to, <laughs> to romance, frankly. <laughs> so the second thing that stands out to me is uh, Professor Kristen Dumais book and the conversation with her. The thing that I just keep rolling around in my brain is what the heck was I taking in as a college student? Like hmm. the the period of time that she was mentioning, I was 18 years old. I just left Virginia and was in New York and like the first book like that I got. The, you mean like the mid 2000s kind of? Yeah. So I graduated in 04, from 04 to 08, I was in, in college, college and like, yeah. yeah, the first book that, you know, I got from my best friend was John Piper, Don't Waste Your Life. I did not read that book, but I got it. Um, <laughs> I read I read like the first few pages of it and I was like, right, this this is not for me. But I did read, I did read like from cover to cover because of my Bible study, I read Wild at Heart. Hmm. And yeah. and I I had questions, but I didn't question it. And I, and I did not question its impact. And I think I mentioned this before in another conversation that I had a conversation with someone um, who's male, um, who's, who was wrestling with what it would look like to follow Jesus around his sexuality. And he said, you know, his, his parents wanted a girl and they dressed him up as a girl and they gave him a dress and they did all of these things. And he was so angry. Um, and we were walking down the street and he said to me, Jonathan, you know, you're the epitome of like what it means to be a man. And I'm just not that. And I, and he had, we didn't know each other. Like we probably known each other for three or four months. And I said to him, I said, you know, what you think of me as a man is shaped by the media in your country. Like, it's not like, I'm not what you're imagining. Like he wasn't from the U S he wasn't, he was from uh, Singapore. And I said, you know, I said, just because I have on a do-rag and Tim's at, at the time, like, I'm, but I'm not what you've seen on television at all. Like, yes, there are things I know how to do because I am from a rural area, but like, none of these things like, like make me a man. But there was nothing that I could say that could tell him any differently because we've just read this book in our Bible study that told mm. him what manhood was. Mm -hmm. And so those those two conversations, I think, and all of them have to do with my physical body and how I'm perceived, both of those things, uh, and how I relate to other people and relate to God um, in, a, in the most like intimate way, like the body I inhabit every day. And so mm. um, those, yeah, those things were really, really impactful. And I'm still, I'm still thinking about them. That just makes me think, Jonathan, that's such a, such a great insight that both of the things that sort of ended up being most impactful to you are related to your body and how you relate to it. Mm -hmm. And and that just makes me think how much our sense of our embodiment and our experience of that is wrapped up in this idea of decolonization of our faith. Because right. colonization is about commodification of the human body. And mm -hmm. so you know, being able to reclaim that, that idea that, you know, when God created us, he said it is good. And, mm -hmm. and moving away from that false dichotomy of body and soul and soul of good and body is bad. And, you know, that crept in through right. philosophy and all of that and, and getting back to a fuller picture of our humanity and being able to embrace that and, and mm -hmm. reclaim that and be liberated physically mm -hmm. and spiritually and emotionally. Yeah. So another thing Dr. Hardwick said, remember, was that part of like our colonial economy here, like related to, mm. to 
slave labor, right, was about like the most valuable people having um, bodies that could produce the most, right? And right. and when he like not valuable in an abstract sense, like how much, but I mean, literally how much money someone would yes. pay to own that person, right? Exactly. Like right. We, yeah. we broke it down to that level. Yeah. And, right. and yeah, it, it is, it's, it's not a, I think a coincidence that we in this society way overvalue how much you can produce and, or like mm-hmm. how, how healthy and good you look how many like utilitarian things you can do because you grew up on a farm jonathan you know, yeah, like, exactly, yeah like, exactly stuff like that is like overvalued i think sometimes there's like a lot of progressive sort of language about you know embodiment and like understanding your your body and be more comfortable in your body and listening to what your body is telling you and i think mm. Um, sometimes that can seem a little abstract for people, but like this is the this is the connection here is like we feel so much shame uh, mm-hmm. related to like the physical bodies that we sit here in, right. and so much of that is related to the like idols of of power and security and economic prosperity from like our colonialist history. So I think it's it does not surprise me that that's one of the things that stands out to both of you a lot. Yeah. And it doesn't, it, it's like something that when you, I think when you start thinking about like the world from a, the perspective of disabled people or, or doing theology for like by disabled people, like it is often quite freeing. And I think it's just a good example that you two are kind of mm-hmm. living out in real life of how thinking about like the perspective of, of people on the margins, people who, who Jesus cares about the most is freeing, right? Like how he frees those people, frees everybody. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I don't think it's not liberatory or whatever to me I just, i'm just saying that that was um the stuff that he was saying wasn't as new to me as it was to you too so mm. I think it, maybe it's, it's not revelatory to you <laughs> revelatory that's the word yeah because yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you you've had to grapple with these things long before before we did yeah but yeah. i find reading and talking to people like him to be just incredibly refreshing and like i said in the mm-hmm. show i think like often very healing mm-hmm. because right. it's you know other people affirming the stuff that I kind of deal with on a regular basis and think about on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Right. Um, Susie, how about you? Oh, it, I mean, to be honest, um, two, two kind of conversations or, or points have stuck out to me since we started this podcast. And actually one of them was also from the conversation with Reverend Dr. Lamar Hardwick. <laughs> I hope that's okay. This episode may just end up being no that. shade to any of our other Sh- guests. Yeah, no. <laughs> and that's the thing we've had so many phenomenal conversations and I just feel so privileged, but I, I think part of it is just how these, these interactions end up intersecting with where we're at in our own lives. And for me, um, if you've been listening to the show, I, shared a couple times about the fact that I'm I'm pregnant. I'm expecting my second child. I hope that's not overshared to some people, but I, I think it's important to understand and to look at how these ideas are contextualized as women, how how mm. our theology is contextualized as women in in our everyday experiences. And, you know, being pregnant and, and having a baby, that's such a powerful spiritual experience. Um, and, and it can be a really powerful time in terms of the way that you see and experience God. And part of that is, because it kind of brings you to your your breaking point in a lot of ways, it it forces you to press up against your limitations as a human being. But also, it's incredible that you're doing that as you're being a part of this process that you really have no control over of of having new life brought into the world. Mm. And so, it's really this kind of miraculous time where I almost feel like it's it's almost like heaven opens up in a way 
to, to have this miracle happen. And, and so all that to say the day that we, and I'm going to get real personal here and um, content warning for, for those of you who have had difficult experiences in, in your pregnancies or the, the day before we were supposed to record with Dr. Hardwick, I, I, I thought I was having a miscarriage the night before. And so it ended up being this really traumatic 24 hours. And this was late in my pregnancy. I was about to start my second trimester. So it's just kind of one of those things that you obviously know, no woman, no mother wants to go through that. No couple wants to go through that. And Cy and Jonathan were incredibly supportive and understanding. And, but, um, I got some good news the next morning that actually everything it looked like as far as we knew was going to be okay. It hadn't gone in the direction you thought it was going to go. And, and so I came back from the hospital and hopped on the podcast and Literally. yeah, on uh, like right after walking through the door. And it was just like I said, it was so healing for me because I realized what I had really been hitting up against was the, the fear of my humanity that he talks about and just hitting up against my limitations as a physical being and things that are just completely outside of my control. Because, you know, in that moment when you think you're losing a child, it's just all you can do is release because there's nothing you can do. And so it I think I've still been kind of coming back to that daily as I'm still, you know, more more tired than I normally would be and and feel that, you know, dealing with some brain fog and, and lack of acuity and and feeling maybe not quite myself, but remembering that that's that's okay. And that God not only embraces me in that, but there, there can actually be celebration in that. There, there can be a blessing in that. And even, you know, I had a conversation with Sai after we had that experience with Dr. Hardwick or that discussion with Dr. Hardwick. And he, he was saying, you know, pregnancy is actually considered legally, it's considered a disability. Yeah. And it was interesting because if I'm honest, prior to that podcast episode, Sai, if you had said that to me, inwardly, I think some of my sort of feminist inclinations would have been like, no, it's Mm -hmm. not. Don't call it a disability Mm -hmm. (laughs) because something in me had to change in the way that I viewed disability. That Mm -hmm. you saying that is not telling me that I am less than right, or that I, you know, have something that I need to overcome to be worth as much or to be able to, like you said, produce as much. Right. Now I'm saying welcome to the club. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's very nice in here. Come join us. <laughs> exactly. And that was so freeing. And and yeah. yeah, I think part of that was I'd found that community. I'm you know, I'm like, well, if I'm in the club with Sai and, and Dr. Hardwick and you know, I'm in good company. I don't need to try to hide this and pretend that this isn't happening and pretend that I, you know, I, I function differently now. I can embrace that and and yeah, be liberated in that. So hmm. so that was really, really powerful for me. And, and continues to be, like I said, something that I've been holding on to. Okay, so Susie, the really interesting point that I think that brings up, and this is, again, very closely tied to colonialism, is is, is patriarchy and racism and uh, homophobia and ageism, mm-hmm. like whatever you want to think about, all of them are basically an accusation, not, not only or not fundamentally, but involve an accusation that a whole class of people are disabled. Right. So like women are uh, incapable of uh, dealing with their emotions. 
right, right? or are yeah. are just uh, fundamentally less rational. Yeah. Like yeah. that's just all that is saying is women are disabled. Yeah. Uh, black people are violent, incapable of handling emotions, but in different ways, right? Become violent, are lazy. Like again, those are accusations of disability. Homosexuality was actually a diagnosable disability in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for a couple of versions of it. So I, I just think being able to say both that like all those things are untrue about people, like they're not, it, it is not true that those entire, that entire class of people is disabled, but like the, the step further than that, like that where you, I think you have to get to if you're fully embracing the kingdom of God would be to say but even if they were, that would not justify anything that we do to those people, right? It isn't true. Like, I want to be accurate, obviously. But I also, like, the accusation that you are, that is, that's what it is. It's an accusation that you're less than because you're disabled. That's what, that's what racism is, you know, or to it, in some ways. Obviously, racism is more than that. You know, misogyny is more than that. But that's what it includes. So I just wanted to put that out there because I think that's kind of what, it's just another way of stating what I think you just said you realized through that conversation. Wow. Yeah. And that's such a profound point to say because it's what you're pointing out is it's an accusation based on a lie. So you need mm -hmm. to not only call out the accusation, you need to get to the root lie. Yep. Yeah. Because again, also going back to our conversation with Professor Dumay, which I mean, I'll be honest, I could talk about that one all day long. I'm still processing <laughs> that one. I mean, even this idea of, you know, telling men that certain behaviors or certain inclinations are inferior because they're too feminine. So that's one, an accusation that they're less of a man, but two, it's, it's based on a lie that women are less than that, mm -hmm. that to, to bear any similarities to a female is is an insult to your yeah, humanity it's that fear, right? right yeah and so so i think yeah that's such a profound point that you know as we try to excavate our faith from these untruths and from these idolatries we need to not only be able to recognize the accusation but we need to be able to get past that to the lie at the root of that accusation mm -hmm. um what is it that makes that accusation sting and is that based on biblical truth or not is that based on how God sees us and sees humanity or not? Thank you so much for joining us today, everybody, for part one of this two-part conversation that we have split up into these uh, mini episodes, just to give people some time to reflect and chew on a little bit the things uh, that we've been learning. We appreciate you being with us. Please remember, if you can, go and check out ktfpress.com and consider subscribing. We really appreciate it. Also, uh, if you can't do that, take a look at uh, the free mailing list. Sign up for that also at ktfpress.com. Follow us on social media at KTF Press on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe or follow this podcast on whatever uh, app you're using. Give us a rating and review. We really appreciate anything that you can do. All those things are actually quite helpful to us. Our theme song, as always, is Citizens by John Guerra. Our podcast art is by Jacqueline Tam. And we will see you all next week.
Maya was playing that game in elementary school where you write, you know, a word and then you do like, her was like laughs, it's L-A-U-F, and then you move your fingers through the paper, pick another number, it's eight, and inside the eight is a question, right? And- Hey, Jonathan? Maya- Jonathan, yes? is it is it you or Maya who doesn't know how to spell the word laugh? Oh, what did I say? <laughs> L-A-U, did I say L-A-U-F? What did I say? Yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> Laugh. Laughter. Laughing. Laughing. That's a very Winnie the Pooh spelling. 